0: All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Time Out Talk. We're your hosts, Raphael Singer. And Hunter Leon. And, um, you know, we're smack dab pretty much in the middle of the off season. A lot of, uh, to get into in terms of free agency, in terms of international play. Um, so I guess we should start there and talk about the People World Cup, which is coming up pretty soon. Um, some of the rosters are starting to be announced. This is always an exciting time to see, you know, who's going to be representing the United States and other countries as well. Um, so, yeah, I guess let's just jump right into the, the USA roster. So I'll go through this list of names right here, Hunter, and then I want to get your <laughs> initial impressions and then also who you think the starting lineup should be because I feel like that's also a pretty tough um, decision to make. So we got Anthony Edwards, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton, Mikhail Bridges, Jaron Jackson Jr., Paolo Bancaro. Austin Reeves, Josh Hart, Cam Johnson, Walker Kessler, and Bobby Portis.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, a pretty solid team. I think a lot of people have kind of been clowning on it a little bit because you don't see like a Kevin Durant, uh, you know, the Steph Curry, but these guys, it's for one, it's the FIBA World Cup. We're not talking about the Olympics. so It's a little different here. Yeah. And also you have to keep in mind, it's not, the same guys aren't going to play forever. Like, When Kobe was in his 15th, 16th year in the NBA, he didn't play in these kinds of things anymore. That was left to the guys at the time. Like, think about it this way in 2004, Dwayne Wade, LeBron, and Carmelo were all already on the USA team. That's like their second sophomore year in their career. So I feel like it's time for these guys to kind of take that torch now and start playing in these sorts of global tournaments. Uh, You know, these older guys have better things to do with their their time and their body and they need to preserve it a lot more than these young guys who have the time to spend on it. So keeping that in mind, I think this is a great team with a lot of young talent and the, some of the most up and coming stars in the NBA. I mean, and it's something I also like about this team. these don't have any big personalities. This is a team I think can mesh really well. I think they have a lot of the, the proper roles in here on this team. A lot of defensive guys, a lot of guys who can score the ball, some, a lot of passing just like, it's not just a collection of a bunch of all-stars and they say play, you know? Yeah. So I, I do like that. Uh, do you have any initial thoughts just looking at this roster? Yeah, definitely.
0: I just like how well-balanced it is. As you were saying, like, you have your star power in here in terms of guys who could just get you a bucket and Ant-Man and Brandon Ingram. But you also have, like, facilitators here with a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. Mm-hmm. Um, you have some defensive pressure here with, you know, the reigning defensive player of the year, Jaron Jackson Jr., and a very very solid defensive player from Utah in Walker Kessler, and Let's then you got of have Bridges. I mean, yeah, Mikael Bridges is just sort of that perimeter defender as well. Like, um, he's an incredible defender. So, yeah, a lot of defensive versatility here. And then what I really like is having those kind of those glue guys, those players that make all the winning plays that don't show up in the stat sheet. I'm talking about guys like Josh Hart and Bobby Portis, you know, who are really integral to these. Um, your powerhouse teams in the east right in the knicks and bucks respectively i like having those guys on the team too because you know in the minutes that they're going to get on the court you know they're going to be contributing towards winning even if it isn't through scoring or getting assists it's just doing the little things diving for those 50 50 balls um you know making those hustle plays stuff like that so i'm actually pretty happy with this roster and yeah i think at this point in their careers. It's a little unrealistic to expect a a Steph Curry, a LeBron James to be suiting up for the feeble World Cup. Not even the Olympics.
1: Yeah. So, with all that in mind, what is your starting lineup? And give me give me oh. your six through eight too, because this is row, you know who, you gotta you gotta think about this. Who's on the fringe? Who who are the guys who aren't really going to be getting minutes?
0: Yeah, I, I think maybe one of the guys that might fall to the wayside could be a guy like
1: Austin Reeves. Um, I think
0: that, you know, this is a pretty guard-heavy, like, guard-heavy lineup. So he might just be a guy who gets excluded or or gets very limited minutes just because there's so many guards here that are so talented. But going to my starting lineup, I think I'm actually going to start Tyrese at my my one because I like him as a facilitator. I think he can get other guys involved. Um, And I just think, you know, we, we talk about him so frequently as like the, the modern-day Chris Paul, right? He's the next point guard. He's going to be finding um, his teammates and setting them up for success. So I'm going to have Tyrese on my one. And I'm going to have Anthony Edwards on my two. I mean, this is a no-brainer. I think you know, mm-hmm. he's might be the, the leading scorer on this team. Uh, and if it's not him, then it's going to be my three and in Brandon Ingram. Um, and then, honestly, I might even start um, Mikael at the three. And then move Brandon Ingram to the four, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five. But I think whether you play Ingram at the four or at the three, and vice versa with Mikhail, I definitely want them to play together. I think the length, uh, the shooting, uh, the shot creation, and the defense that those two players bring, I think it's just going to be incredible. And uh, yeah, very hard for the other international squads to match. Yeah, would you would you have a different five,
1: or how do you feel? I don't know. It's hard to say, but that means you're moving Jalen Brunson to the bench. So that's, that's a hard position to be in Mm. as a six. I like Jalen Brunson as a six man. He's been there before. Yeah. And I feel on this team where you already have Tyrese Halliburton to me, Tyrese is the no brainer starting point guard. Mm. So, you know, Jalen Brunson is a great starting point guard, but the, I think, especially on this team where there's so much talent, the point guards' roles are really to facilitate. That's the the primary emphasis, and yeah. that's Tyrese Halliburton's bread and butter. So He gets the starting spot over Jalen Brunson, although you could move Jalen Brunson to the two, but your defense is going to suffer a little bit, so I probably don't like that. Like you said, I think you just have so much length and versatility and athleticism if you have Anthony Edwards at your two, and then you slide McHill Bridges to the three. That's just yeah. so much length in Athleticism. That That's like ridiculous. And then you have Brandon Ingram at the four, who obviously is like the the mini version of KD. He's gonna just pull over the top of you, score at will, ISO buckets, and he still just has that same length. Uh and then Jaron Jackson, defensive anchor at the five. So I like I like the lineup you've built out. I don't know if we're gonna agree on the six through eight. But I'd, I'd agree. It's really hard because I don't want to move Jalen Brunson to the bench. But I think if I had to pick between him and Tyrese, it's definitely going to be him.
0: Yeah. Um, honestly, okay. So six through eight, I think that there's a, a no-brainer here, and that's picking Jalen Brunson as your sixth man. As you said, he's a guy who thrived in that role. He's obviously a guy who is in direct competition to start here. So no question about that. Where it does get dicey here is the your seventh and eighth guy, right? um mm-hmm. and looking at these names I, I, there's no name that really jumps out to me immediately i think this is really gonna be a decision that i think uh the coaches of this team are gonna have to make over time and like sort of play around with lineups and, and see who really thrives but i think that the seventh man i want is paulo bancaro i think that even though he is young i mean this is a guy who's 6'10 incredible skill set right kind of similar to that kd um type build where, you know, you're super tall, but you can handle the ball, you can shoot, you can create your own buckets. Um and I, I just like him as sort of a matchup nightmare for any of these other international squads. Plus I think like, you know, giving giving him more experience would be good. I mean, not that you should be just like kind of handing out minutes as charity, but I think that, you know, I guess to pivot more so into saying he hasn't really like shown any sort of hesitance to be a, a tremendous number one option in Orlando thus far and so I think he would really thrive in this role where he doesn't have to do too much um and then the eighth man here man this is a tough one but I I might go with uh Bobby Portis mm. I, I might go Bobby Portis I know that might be a bit of a controversial pick but this is a Actually, I can't even go with Bobby Portis. Maybe it's because of my bias from last year, but I'll go Josh Hart. I think that Josh Hart, all the things I was talking about with him, you know, as a hustle player, as a guy who makes winning plays, um, I want him on the floor out there with uh, some of those other uh, players. Also, he has that chemistry with Jalen Brunson, so I think that you know that would be
1: uh, pretty solid. But curious what you think. Your picks are interesting. Mine are a little different. Okay, I am going to take Bobby Portis. I Ooh. really do like him. I think I think this team outside of him is going to lack size, you know, coming in at the at the bench spot. I mean, yeah, you have Walker, Kessler, and you have Paulo, but you know, Paulo plays a little smaller than he is, and I think you're not really going to see many minutes from Walker Kessler. You know, he's just a rookie. Um, you're coming in this second year in the NBA, but I I really do like him. I just don't think there's minutes for him and I think a guy like Bobby Portis, who's a really good role player who's established, is gonna gonna win those minutes over him. I like Ooh. the Josh Hart pick as well. I'm very big on these role players because they know how to they already know how to complement the stars. They've been doing that their whole NBA career. They've been doing it for a long enough time where it's not a struggle for them, which is why Paulo actually isn't in my six through eight. Mm. I don't have Paulo there because I think like you you made some good points about like yeah Apollo he could thrive in that role as like not having to do too much work but I also think that could be very counterproductive for him because he's been in that role his whole career he's never had to be the second option or like the f- sixth or seventh option on the team so yeah I'm keeping him out of my my core and in place someone that put Cam Johnson mm. or sorry no sorry sorry Jalen Brunson this is my sixth man yeah was Jalen say, Brunson like- okay (laughs) uh Jalen no it's Jalen Brunson obviously I talked about how I like him as the six man earlier but Paulo uh is going to be out of my top eight and I'm going to insert Bobby Portis and Josh Hart there I'm
0: not mad at the Bobby Portis pick as you saw like I was kind of playing around with the idea I just Mm -hmm. I think I'm a little down on him he had a bit of a I would say a bit of a regression last year um I think don't think his three ball was as efficient as it was during that championship season and uh I just didn't think that he had the same sort of production that he had. I know the Bucs as a whole kind of had a bit of a tumultuous season, especially with the way that that ended. But um, no, I could certainly see him being a, a big contributor to this team. So I'm not mad at any of those picks. We both agree on Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart. So, yeah, I mean, the last question is like, do you think there's really going to be any challenge or difficulty in the U.S. getting the gold? Or do you think this is a, a bit of a lock here?
1: it's hard to say. I mean, there's so many good international teams now. But I think we know for now, a lot of guys are going to be withheld from playing with their teams. I believe Giannis isn't going to be playing. I don't know that Jokic will be playing. I haven't seen like anything about that. I don't know if Luke is going to play. So for now, I'm going to lean always lean USA just because of the full filled out roster, especially when they make teams like this where it's actually cohesive and it makes sense instead of just throwing a bunch of all-stars on the list. So I'm a I'm a lean US right now, but I think there's a bunch of a bunch of teams out there that could give them a run for their money, like Canada. So let's talk about Canada's team, because this is a really deep team. Canada's produced a lot of good talent in the past 10 plus years. We have Shea Golches' Alexander, Jamal Murray, RJ Barrett, Dylan Brooks, Lou Dort, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Kelly O'Linick, Dwight Powell. uh, And this is where it gets the guys you might not know. (laughs) Zach Eddy. O'Shea Brissett, Corey Joseph, and Kevin Panganos.
0: Yeah. And I even excluded a couple names there because, like, I've heard of, you know, obviously Corey Joseph, Zach Eddy. He he was that big man at Purdue. Um, Yeah. But, like, you know, after that, I was like, who are these guys? So, not even worth bringing them up. But, yeah, I mean, this is a very solid roster. I think that it's uh, definitely a lot less balanced um, and a lot less thoroughly developed in the U.S. roster, but that was to be expected. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly impressed here. I think they might honestly have the best backcourt um, in international play. Like, it's it's really close between them and the U.S., but, I mean, SGA and Jamal Murray, that's that's an elite backcourt, you know. Yeah, coming SGA, off the run? Yeah, exactly. Jamal Murray, you know, being that number two option, winning a championship, and SGA, first-team All-NBA, Arguably a top ten player in the league right now, um, top fifteen maybe certainly. So I mean pairing those two together, it's going to be explosive. It's going to be dynamite every single time they're on the court together. That's going to be really exciting to see. And then you know you get you have some of that um, some of that defense with Lou Dort as well. So I like him there as a as a guy who can fill in that three maybe even four provide some physicality some defense. Also has that chemistry with Shea. Um, but then, like, man, are we going to be starting, like, Kelly Olenek at the five? I know he had a
1: good... Probably Dwight time.
0: Powell. Maybe, but, like, uh, th- 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 this is where it starts to get a bit dicey. I think you know? your this starting
1: is- lineup is Jamal Murray, Shea Gilchrist-Alexander. You're probably starting Archie Baird at the three. Dylan Brooks at the four. And then either Dwight Powell at Dylan Brooks
0: Olin. at the four? Are you kidding me?
1: What are you going to do? Run the kill Alexander-Walker at the four? Run Lou Dort at the four. No, you're too small. You're too small. If you do that,
0: Dylan. Okay, do you know how tall Dylan Brooks is?
1: What 6'6". four, six five,
0: six six. You're gonna run him. Okay, up six a six. Four?
1: Okay, well, so that yeah. means you know how you,
0: tall Lou Dort is. Also, like oh. six five. <laughs> He's actually shorter than Dylan Brooks. Yeah, I thought so. Oh, well, that's crazy. I always thought Lou Dort was like a no, forward. D- Dylan,
1: cool. Brooks is, Dil- Dylan Brooks is Dylan Brooks is a real forward, and Lou Dort is a real shooting guard. Dang. Wow. The more you yeah, know, so I, so I, I'm I was, always
0: surprised by my players. because no, hey, he He's a guy who plays like above, above his size. Though. He yeah, he, he
1: definitely name. does. But I think Lou Dort is better served in a role where he's coming off the bench. Not, not because I don't think he's the talent, but I think bringing that grit and intensity off right off the bench is going to be really important to keeping up with other teams, basketball, especially with, S.J. and Jamal Murray coming in with so much offense, you need to offset that when you're coming in with your other guys. and You can't leave R.J. Barrett on the bench. You have to start R.J. Barrett. He has to be your starting three. Yeah, no, I like that for and sure. I like R.J. there. Look, no matter with love him or Hayden, Dylan Brooks is going to start. He's just, he he has the some of the intangibles. He's still a smart player. He can still pass the ball. And yes, he's very inefficient, but you're not worrying about Dylan Brooks shooting when you have SGA and Jamal Murray out there.
0: Yeah, even RJ Barrett. Expect him to you know be driving to the cup. Maybe his shot is falling in international play. It's almost a different game entirely. Uh, mm-hmm. Playing in these like People World Cups for the Olympics. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm honestly I like Canada's roster. I think their problem has always been sort of team cohesion, team chemistry. If I'm being honest, because they've always had solid rosters. Canada has always produced pretty like top talent in the NBA. They've just never been able to really put it all together and and take home the gold. So I could see them making a good run in this tournament. You know, getting a medal is not out of the question here. But I don't think they're in serious consideration to win the gold. Um, Do do you disagree?
1: Yeah, I would disagree with that. I think any time you put real high-level NBA talent on a roster, like you said, they have the best backcourt in probably the entire FIBA Cup. I'm going to go ahead and give them not like a high chance of winning the gold, but like, I think they have a real shot at it. You know, look, a team like the USA is always going to be more balanced and always c- going to have more guys, but why doesn't the USA win every year? You know, if we're talking about it like that, you know, teams like Spain, teams like Serbia, all, you know, Slovenia, these teams are able to find ways. Even Italy is a, also a great team. Usually Uh shout yeah. out to Paulo for picking the U.S. over Italy, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But like you know, I just think you can never count out these teams, especially when you don't have to worry about like as many players on the bench, maybe having some chemistry or restlessness issues. People are just going to want to enjoy being there and supporting their home country.
0: Yeah, uh, honestly, I agree with that. Um, it's going to be fun to see one team to keep your eye out on. I know you mentioned Spain. I know you mentioned Slovenia, um, even Italy too. Uh, I want to mention Australia. I know they have a lot of good talent there, and they. They're a team that really plays like a unit. Um, I remember, I think it was maybe last FIBA World Cup or maybe a couple years back, they made a pretty good run there. A lot of veteran leadership on that team. With, you know, Patty Mills, uh, Joe Ingles, guys like that. Um, some youth as well with guys like Josh Giddey, Josh Green. A lot of Josh's actually.
1: Um, I wonder if Ben but, Simmons will play for them.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't think Ben Sim- Simmons is actually playing. They also have Thonmaker Maker suiting up for them.
1: And oh, really? I just that's that, interesting.
0: Just learned that Thon Maker's Australian, apparently. So, interesting. Did not yeah, know I did that. Did not
1: know that. Yeah. Learning,
0: uh, learning NBA players' heights and nationalities. You know.
1: Yes. And who's
0: who says timeout talk isn't educational? You know.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think that's enough talk about international play. We can move on to talking about a couple of interesting rule changes that have been uh, approved by the NBA Board of Governors for next season. And these are sort of proposed and we've been hearing some chatter about it, but these have actually been approved officially and they're going to be in the game next season. So I'm going to break, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say what they are and I want to get your thoughts on them. And what do you think these are positive yeah. changes or negative changes? So the first one uh, is sort of surrounding that discussion we have had about flopping. So uh, in game, there's not going to be an in-game penalty for flops uh, resulting in a technical foul free throw. And then the second is that the, a coach will be awarded a second coach's challenge if the first challenge is successful. So let, let's hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I think both are positive changes for the NBA. Start, I'll start with the second one because I'm more confident in this one. This is something that needed to happen. I just like, I don't know, this year especially, in the past year, there were so many times where I just felt generally across the NBA calls were missed. And they didn't have a good system of being able to go back to calls and say – you know we made this mistake and they, that's when they implemented the first coach's challenge but it was teams were almost penalized for trying to be correct early in the game like if a call a really bad call was made in the first or second quarter teams wouldn't you know go after and try to get that call because they knew they only had one challenge and they wanted to save it for later in the game so i think this allows teams to maybe in the first half be able to expend that and say no that we definitely should have gotten those 3 points back like that that swings a game and this this can allow teams to maybe even have like a six point swing if they get their calls correct, which I think is super important. Um, and I think the NBA still has a long way to go with being able to get calls correct. I think the NFL does it really well, but you know they also have a lot more stoppage, and uh, you know their technology I think is a little bit better in how they implement it into the the refereeing. But I think the the NBA still can do a few things technologically to make strides in you know getting calls correct. So this is a good first step for that. Uh, and then going back to the, the in-game penalty for flopping, I like it, but it could become very subjective very quickly. Yeah. So, you know, like, what, what do you consider a flop? You know, everyone knows what, like, an obvious flop is, but what if, you know, James Harden gets hit in the beard, you know, and he his neck, sure. you know. His, he, he does that all the time, you know. Somebody hits yeah. his beard and he flails his, his chin. Well, who's to say that he, you know he didn't actually get nicked in the chin a little bit? Like it's hard to tell on stuff like that. And I really just hope they, with these fringe like close calls, they kind of go with the same thing they've been doing in the past, which is like the the ruling on the floor stands, um, which is what I'm assuming will happen. But my only worry with this is you could look at calls that are like really close, and they just change the, change the call on it when they maybe shouldn't have.
0: Yeah, I I agree with both those points. I think that the first one I'm a little bit more skeptical about, I think giving more power to the refs to alter the game and sort of take it over is always a bit concerning, especially since we've seen so many games come down to the refs pretty much determining the outcome by the calls that they're giving, the calls that they're not calling. And so you could definitely – or I could definitely foresee a future – next season where you know you have a couple games uh that are basically completely one sided in the calls uh for the flops you know like maybe um one team is <laughs> like i don't know i'm trying to think of a specific team that flops a lot but i don't want to call out any names the um... lakers <laughs> yeah so like say we're uh say we you know we get a classic celtics lakers matchup and then this time, instead of LeBron not getting the call, um, we just get overly penalized for flopping, quote unquote. But like the determination is so subjective that I'm really just not too certain about it. But I, I agree. The second change is a positive, as um, a positive change. I think that look the coach the big uh, holdout with the coaches' challenge is that it does stop the game. It does cause a lot of delays and. We've seen in the NBA already, like, the amount of stoppage time we've had is a bit ludicrous, like, the amount of time refs take to review things to make sure they get it right, which really breaks the flow of the game. And so hopefully this doesn't impact that too much, but I think um, looking at it just on the surface, so it's a good change, and I'm a
1: fan of that one. Yeah, I think, if anything, the flopping is going to cause more stoppage time than the uh coach's challenge will because I feel like flopping is gonna take a lot more time to see if a player actually like got hurt or like I hope I hope it's just those obvious calls.
0: Yeah. Uh, if it's for the super egregious flops, you know, like uh the ones where you know the player like does like a double backflip when they get like barely touched, <laughs> then sure. But if it's just for like every little call here and there then I think that they're gonna have to revise it rule.
1: Yeah. But I think we can talk about the next segment here, which is notable free agents that are still left on the market. There's a few guys here who definitely are worth something, and it's just maybe a little weird market at this time, just getting offered the Vet Man. They're kind of waiting it out. Uh, but let me give you a little list of some of the larger named free agents left, and I just want you to tell me you know, what you think is going on for, for their story. Start Christian Wood, who let's start with him. What is going on with Christian Wood right now?
0: Um, With Christian Wood, I think that the big concern NBA teams have about him is just his defense. You know, he's a guy who is a tremendously skilled big, uh, can score pretty much all three levels. He's one of those coveted stretch bigs we talk about so much. But, I mean, his defense was the reason Jason Kidd had to move him to the bench last year. Um, So for as much as he gives you an offense, I guess he takes away more on the defense and those deficiencies are what are uh, scaring NBA teams from giving him a contract. So I expect some team to pick him up. His offense is too damn solid for this to really make him, uh, to, to force him out of the league. But yeah, I understand team's hesitations around him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think he'll probably end up fitting best as like a either power forward or six man next to another big man. You hear that, Christian Wood? The Lakers are uh, (laughs) having Davis right next to you. now. uh, Yeah, I mean, that's a great fit. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we also have PJ Washington, who's a restricted free agent with the Charlotte Hornets. What's going on with him? Yeah, I mean, this
0: just might be a case where, you know, um, the other teams in the association know that the the Charlotte Hornets are going to match whatever they offer. And so, maybe they're just not even bothering. I think that PJ Washington, he's a guy you know, kind of similar to Christian Wood, like great three ball, great shooter. Um, not going to give you too much on the defensive end of the ball, um, but I don't think his he's nearly as bad as as Christian Wood is. Um, but he's a contributor. He's a solid player. Um, not going to give you too much, but uh, yeah, he can he can help your team out off the bench. I just think that you know Charlotte is definitely going to match whatever. Um, and I don't think he's warrants like a a crazy contract.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I want to jump to another guy who's kind of in a similar situation in Ayodele who's mm. also a restricted free agent. So yeah, tell me same, about that. same
0: sort of situation there. I think I was Sumu is a little bit more upside. I mean, this is a guy who's starting for um for the Bulls. I mean, I know PJ Washington was as well, but I mean, I think Ayodele Sumu is going to have a pretty bright future in this league. Probably as like a bit a backup or, like, one of those lower-tier starting point guards. But nevertheless, he's a solid player. Um And I think, yeah, it's the same – similar sort of reason.
1: Yeah, and I think I can kind of just list out the rest of these guys because I don't think any of them are really too standout-ish. But yeah. some guys who are surprisingly still in the market, Kelly Oubre, Kendrick Nunn, Derek Jones Jr., Willie Cully Stein, Darius Basley, Bull Bull, Wenyan Garroway – I believe Bull Bull is signed. Is he? But – I believe he's signed with the Suns, but, uh, Wenny and Gabriel, Blake Griffin, Markeef Morris, Stanley Johnson, TJ Warren, uh, and Will Barton. So, Um, we got a a big list of guys who all have been, you know, names in the NBA for a long time. What do you think is the reason all these guys who we've seen consistently as role players throughout their career, young and old, are not finding jobs in the NBA anymore? I mean,
0: NBA is just so loaded with talent and even, like, as the game becomes more international, there becomes a greater pool of players to choose from, right? Like we just saw the Kings offer a, what, $20 million a year contract to that guy from Europe um, playing in the Euro League. I don't recall his name off the top of my head, but like teams are are looking elsewhere for talent. And if you're a guy who has a major deficiency or you're old or you're just not productive, maybe even if you have a bad season, like that could get you out of the league. I think the NBA is as cutthroat as it's ever been, where guys like, uh, you know, T.J. Warren or Terrence Ross, like they don't have jobs right now, which is crazy because they are incredibly talented offensive weapons. Uh, Terrence Ross, I think, can help a lot of teams just to get some scoring off the bench. Uh, But I guess teams are just wary of their defense. They may be signed at some point, but, you know, maybe a guy like Wenyan Gabriel, who I think can be a solid contributor as well, he might not get a contract just because there are so many better options out there who, you know, could stretch the floor or like have their offensive game more developed. So, yeah, I think it's just due to the the more competitive cutthroat nature of the game right now. Um, I don't know if you disagree or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I just think at some point there are going to be more teams on the market, maybe by 2026, 20, three years or so. And maybe a lot of these guys will come back to the league. I mean, I'm not saying all these guys are out of league. I'm sure teams will sign them, but they're going to be fringe regardless. So, yeah, you know, I, I there's think just that a most massive these, player pool.
0: I think that most of these guys, though, will find homes. I think, like, Darius Baisley, TJ Warren, uh, Terrence Ross, Will Barton. I think these are guys that are almost certain are going to be on a team at some point next season. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, but I think just in general, like, speaking of that, yeah, there's there's a, a massive pool of players. Um to choose from and so th- those guys in the fringes it's just going to be really tough luck for them.
1: Yeah, uh, there's also few guys I didn't mention.
0: Oh, yeah, I actually kind of want to mention those. So
1: okay. there's like a whole
0: list of like I call them wa- the washed point guards, right? Um guys who were like like very solid or even top point guards at a certain time who are not just out of out of the league um and say you were an NBA franchise which of these players would you choose? So mm-hmm. Goran Dragić, Kemba Walker, John Wall or George Hill
1: that's hard I mean it really depends on what I'm looking for in the player because they're all kind of so different but if I'm just going like who do I think could give me the most production most talent period I'm probably taking John Wall interesting
0: I'm actually I disagree
1: I disagree go ahead okay tell me your pick and then I'll give you the reasons Okay, I think
0: I'm going with at this point in their careers. I think I'm going with Gordon Drogic.
1: Really, I think he at this point in his career is become injury prone. This older, slow. And John Wall is
0: not injury prone. Okay, let's face it. All three or okay. three of these guys have been incredibly injury prone.
1: Okay. the past. Few. So if I'm picking, if I'm picking based off of who's going to give me the most consistency, I'm picking George Hill. Interesting. So, okay. like, I think. The, the guy I'm, like, absolutely eliminating is going to be Kemba Walker. I think at this point, I he's agree. proven that he he can score, you know. But even at this point in his career, he's become a a must a much less efficient scorer and provides literally negative 10 points on defense. Like, just abhorrent defender. We're talking, like, yeah. Isaiah Thomas-level bad de- defense. like, And he's, mm. like, four or five inches taller than Isaiah Thomas. So that is unfortunate. But – if you're looking at the rest of these guys, I feel like John Wall and Goran Dragic are kind of in a similar boat as far as older players, um, injury prone, and can provide you good passing and driving. And I feel like George Hill is a different boat. Of He's just been kind of this consistent role player throughout his whole career. So if I'm yeah. taking a player right now, George Hill, I think, could contribute overall the most to a contender. But I think if I want a team to be fun, I'm taking John Wall.
0: Wow, yeah, the disrespect for Goran Dragic is crazy. I, think I, I don't disrespect guy... him.
1: I think he's just at this point in career a little too old.
0: All right. Honestly, I'm not gonna. <laughs> this is not the hill I'm gonna die on. So, <laughs> um. So yeah, we can we can move on from here. Um. I know you had a fun segment planned. So, wanna explain
1: it? Yeah, yeah. By the way, I just want to say Goran Dragic is 37. And I believe John Wall is like thirty-four, maybe thirty-three. Yeah, but guess what? John Wall moves like he's forty-four. So, I'm okay, just John Wall's thirty-two. That's honestly kind of sad.
0: It is a little sad, but you know, this is what okay. happens when your whole game is relying on your athleticism, and then your athleticism dwindles.
1: Yeah, go figure. Because you quote unquote fell downstairs and tore your Achilles. <laughs> I mean, it was about, like Here's the thing I'll say about yeah. John Wall: this
0: sort of like fast regression like exponential regression was bound to happen it's when players define their whole game around their athleticism as soon as their athleticism starts to decline they don't contribute nearly as much that's why players you know who are athletic need to develop other parts of their game they need to have a three-point shot they need mm-hmm. to you know learn how to facilitate the, uh, the ball like all these sorts of things they can't just be guys who jump out the gym
1: you know I mean, don't forget John Wall averaged eleven assists in the postseason. So this past postseason? No, not this past postseason. I'm saying in his career.
0: Oh yeah. I'm I'm not I'm talking about like not in John Wall's case specifically. Like I know he's a good playmaker, but I'm saying like guys have to just develop their game and not just rely on their athleticism purely.
1: Yeah, yeah. But we can get into this next segment here. And I thought it would be cool. I saw this on uh, Twitter today if we could make the best possible teams off the top of our heads, we have not thought about this yeah. um, with the first letter of uh, or sorry, not the first letter, the first name, each of our first names, we're going to go every letter by letter and pick a player whose first or last name starts with that letter. So for Hunter, for me, like we can do letter by letter, go back and forth, like a draft. almost. Sure. I can start, yeah. give an example. Um, H. I'm gonna pick Hakeem Elijah one as my H. Okay.
0: Um, man. Also, okay. My first letter R. Uh, we'll go. Um,
1: I have such a stupid R off the top of my head. I'll let you finish, and then I'll say.
0: Oh, uh, Russell, Bill Russell.
1: Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, I will say the first name that popped into my head was Rodney Hood.
0: Oh, <laughs> I was okay. But in my head, I was going between R- Rajan Rondo and Robert Ori, and then I was like, you know what? Actually, mm. I'm just gonna go
1: with Bill Russell. Ugh, so. you, you is a sucky letter, very yeah, sucky tough. letter. <laughs> um, the first name that pops in my head is Wes Unseld, so I think that's a okay pick. Hey, that's my a six- good pick. I'm gonna keep a him as my sixth man, though, because I have another guy I want to draft for a big.
0: Oh A. Um man, this is like coming out with of, it of, off the top of your head pretty tough. Um uh let's think. Um I then I'm gonna have another A coming at two. Dang. Uh, <laughs> remember first oh, or an- last Anthony name. Anthony Davis.
1: Anthony Davis. There you go. That's a good okay. one. Okay. Uh then for my N. Ooh, N's a weird letter. Do you have any guys? Oh.
0: Uh for N. Yeah, I got one. Nick Claxton.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's definitely who I want to take, of course. <laughs> uh why can I not think of anyone? I'm gonna go ahead and say God, I have to think of. I'm trying to think of guards. Um, oh yeah,
0: because thinking about position is tough too. You because yeah, even if
1: you think about players, I I already have so many big men. I need to. I need to. Yeah, guard. so do I. It's pretty. Tough. Um, is there an, even a modern player? I'm trying to think.
0: i no, there's no players that have any ends in their name. With names N, at all.
1: with starting letter N, I'm thinking like, is there a name Nick? Uh God. Wow, this is hard, dude. I don't know how the guys do it on those 60 second takes. Like I know,
0: it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, all right,
0: we'll, we'll count down. We'll yeah. give you a buzzer. 5, or ten,
1: nine,
0: oh, eight. 8, damn it, 7,
1: 6, Larry Nance. Five. God, that was Larry Nance. Larry, Wait, the original what? Larry Nance, not Larry Nance Jr. Larry Nance. <laughs> Larry
0: Nance senior <Jr>. is crazy. <laughs>
1: I Dude, I couldn't later. think of anyone. You—it was oh between god. that and Nick. Claxton. Oh my god, I could have picked fuck, Steve Nash. God damn it! Why <laughs> did I just a puff in my head? Too it's late. Too late. Too, too late. late.
0: Damn, okay. Um, F. Okay. Now I got F. Um. Oh, is there anybody that comes to your mind right away
1: for this? Just like um, with F. Yeah. Um, Franz Wagner.
0: Um, <laughs> because the first name that comes to head is Frank Milakina, but I'm definitely I mean, not thinking him.
1: That's tough. Um, <laughs> let's think. Um, uh, Sleepy Floyd. That's the name that comes to mind.
0: Okay. Well, I don't want you to actually give me the, the
1: yeah yeah the, the, the names,
0: but um. Uh, we'll go sleepy flood he kind of gave me that one but okay 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 i'll take it i'll take it
1: uh for my t i'm gonna be taking mr timothy duncan all right timmy d sure yeah that that one i thought that right away uh
0: and then for a i go for uh carmelo anthony
1: nice nice e Ooh, I'm pulling this one out of the bag a little bit. It's not not a secret, but I'm gonna be going with my man Irving Magic Johnson. Ah, uh,
0: damn, that's a good one. I'll have to I'll have to one up you there then, and just go Elgin Baylor.
1: Oh, I'm ending on an R. You yeah, Bill Russell. Okay, I need a shooter here. I have I have <laughs> I Magic Johnson. I know a guy. Oh, Reggie! I might take my man Reggie Miller.
0: Oh, that's a good one. I was thinking of another shooter, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then my L. Uh, Give me LeBron James. Give me LeBron yeah, James. Yeah,
1: that was uh bound to happen. So, okay, all let's right. let's let's hear the starting lineups and then we'll let people decide who they think is the best. I okay, got so, my. Uh,
0: go ahead. You can start. All right. Appreciate that. So, I think I'll run. LeBron at the one. Mm-hmm. I'll run uh, Melo at the two. Um, Elgin Baylor at the three. Those are interchangeable, like either right. Elgin Baylor. Um, but yeah, LeBron, Elgin Baylor, Carmelo Anthony, um, Anthony Davis, Bill Russell.
1: That and is then, a big uh, team.
0: And then Sleepy Floyd off the bench.
1: Okay. That's a, a very big team and then you got Sleepy Floyd coming in there to give you some damage. Bill yep. Russell and Anthony Davis, that's a crazy defensive duo. Like, I know.
0: That's stupid. The, the paint might be shut down if you play out Okay, team. I will just say think. Tim
1: Duncan and Hakeem. That's just as strong. That's yeah, that's
0: a that's a nasty defensive duo. With Magic so, Johnson
1: facilitating. So, so run me through your starting five. Okay, you got Magic Johnson, give you know, show time. You got um, Reggie Miller the two, Bomb in threes, you got Larry Nance. At the three, gotta have some size, some defense, some uh, some heart, if you will, in there with some athleticism. The four, we're running Timothy Duncan, five-time NBA champion, and at the five, we're gonna be running Akeem. And then I guess off the bench, we got Wes Unsell to pr- to provide another uh, big man punch. You know, this is a guy. Don't forget who Wes Unsel was. Now, this is a guy who was averaging uh, what thirty back in those. 1960s, you know, on those wizards teams.
0: Yeah, so. I mean, he's a legend for sure. Rest in peace, yes. late like, great Wes so Um, I mean, honestly, it, I feel like our teams are pretty similar. Like we both have the oversized point guard. Um, mm-hmm. you have Magic, I have LeBron. Pretty dead
1: even there. I, I feel Mellow like. just. You got, I got the uh, Reggie, and you got Mellow. You know
0: exactly, then and then I've... you know.
1: Elgin Baylor definitely beats out uh, Larry Nance, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I mean, I, but like the AD
0: Anthony Davis and uh, Bill Russell versus um, Tim Duncan and Hakeem. I feel that's like a that's even. a very that's a very close center matchup. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I but off the bench, I do think that Wes Unseld is a better a better six man than Sleepy Floyd. So I would say <laughs> we're pretty tied. We're pretty tied. Yeah, yeah. All right, I but think I that, will say I did come out on top just because I, I have disagree. the chemistry there with LeBron and AD. Oh, oh, of
1: course. You, you just
0: you weren't thinking
1: about the chemistry. Yeah, because that totally matters. You're coming. well, the chemistry
0: even with Carmelo too, because they all all
1: three play together. <laughs> uh huh. And they got to the what the twelve seed. Very nice. Look,
0: I'm just saying they they have some experience. It was a it was a proof of concept there.
1: Hey, look, saying, I took a guy from every era, you know? I took a guy from the 80s, a guy from the 90s, a guy from the 60s, a uh, guy from the 2000s, you know? got to mix it up a little bit, add some variety.
0: Yeah. Uh, are you still able to hear me, by the way?
1: Yes, I am. Okay, wonderful. Sorry about that. Yeah. but we can move on, I think, to the last thing that we were going to talk about, which I think is a little interesting segment as well. I want to rank the upside. Like, like the ultimate potential of these young cores that we have in the NBA. There's so many of them to get through, but I'm going to list them off. Let's maybe start, give me, with your top three, and then explain your top three. Uh, I got the All Rockets, right. the Magic, the Pistons, the Wizards, the Spurs, the Hornets, uh, the Nets, Raptors, Cavs, Blazers, and Pacers. Lots of teams.
0: Oof. I mean, this is tough, but I think that definitely going to have to go with the Rockets being up there. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you're looking at Jalen Green, uh, Amen Thompson, Prince Shagoon, Jabari Smith Jr. Um, I mean, just the list goes on of talented young guys on this team. It's just a matter of making them all coalesce, all fit together. Um, And and yeah, I just think that there's so much talent there in Houston. They're definitely cooking something special. Uh, And I think, honestly, next I'll put the Magic. I think that You know, you have Paolo there, you have Franz Wagner, you have the the young guys uh, at at the guard position, whether you're talking about Jalen Stuggs or Cole Anthony or even, you know, the new guy that just drafted, Anthony Black. I think that there's a lot of potential here. Even if you want to call a guy who's not really like super young, but a guy like Wendell Carter who's um, you could even maybe throw in there, I think that they have a lot of talent. That, that's been proven in in Orlando. I think Paolo's solidified himself as, as a bona fide, you know, bucket getter. I mean, he, he's on the FIBA World Cup team for a reason, one rookie of the year. So I'm a fan of, of what they're doing in Orlando. And then lastly, this is where it gets a little tough, but I might just have to go Detroit. Um, I mean, speaking of number one overall picks, Cade Cunningham has looked phenomenal there. I think he showed a lot of maturity and development in, in his game uh, as just a scorer, as a, a, a facilitator as well, as a, as a guy who can really just be your number one guy. And then I like adding a star Thompson there too, as a, as a very smart um, high IQ player who can run the offense and also give you a little bit more scoring. Um, and then I think there, even you have a, you know, like Isaiah Stewart's um, that's a bit of a meme, but Killian Hayes is there. Uh,
1: Jalen Jill,
0: Jill Duran, Jalen Duran, yeah, I actually really like Jalen Duran's game a lot. But yeah, I think that uh, that that would probably be my top three. It's A bit of a basic top three, but that's that's just where I'm feeling right
1: now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna maybe take a little bit of a different approach on this one. I'm gonna have. My number one as well, I think, be the Rockets. I think they definitely have the most upside. Like, you know, you said Jalen Green, and Thompson. Cam Whitmore is a the guy they just drafted. And if we're yeah. basing this off, if we're basing this just purely off of upside, this is a guy who should have been top five in the draft and just due to injuries, kind of circumstances brought him down. Uh, and he but, was balling know, in got, the summer league. Yeah, Alperen Shingun. I mean, you know, Tari Eason, um, Kevin Porter Jr. They just have so many young guys. It's just a list of, you know, eight to 10 real solid young players. So just based off of the sheer numbers, they have it, the advantage. Uh, but the number two, I'm going to put the Cavs. Yes. They're a little mm. bit older of a young core, but talking about upside, this is a team that we could see in the NBA finals a lot closer than some of these other teams. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's reached his potential, but I think Darius Garland still has strides to make Evan Mobley still could become a defensive player of the year caliber player. Jared Allen's gonna keep doing what he does. Karis Levert, yes, he's a little bit older, but I still think he can has room to grow. I think that team, as is right now, not necessarily the highest upside, but the highest like, you know, they're closer to their ceiling, but they're also have a way higher floor as well than some of these other
0: yeah, teams. Yes.
1: Um, and along that same note, I'm gonna go with the Pacers because my three. I think Tyrese Halliburton just has so much room to grow we talked about him so much as the young point god you know, young chris paul um and that's only going to keep developing and he's just so damn efficient i mean his true shooting percentage is insane his assist to turnover ratio is ridiculous this is a guy who just makes smart plays every single time down the floor uh alongside a, a lot of good young talent um he got chris duarte or, no chris duarte just got traded but benedict matherin is another young guy over there who's getting buckets he just averaged 18 points as a rookie uh, you know, you have Miles Turner, who's not young as well anymore, but kind of put him in that same boat as like a Jared Allen type. He's going to always provide that. Uh, and I just think they also have a lot of room to just grow. Just traded
0: for for, uh, for Obi Toppin as well. Yeah, and, you know, Obi Toppin. He might
1: thrive in that role.
0: O'Shea Brissett, I believe, is also there. Yeah, O'Shea is going to be great too. So yeah. I, I like the Pacers too. I think I'm basing mine more on future potential. Like mm-hmm. if all the pieces in, in Detroit click, like they're going to be a, a real contender. Uh, But yeah, they're, they're a little bit earlier in the pipeline than the teams that you picked. But
1: I I don't um, think we need to go through all the, like the middle of the road teams, but give me your bottom three. Who do you think are like in the worst positions right now?
0: uh, I mean, I'm going to have to go with the Hornets there. Um, Besides LaMelo, like not really two guys I'm, I'm too, too big on. Like I'm really not a big fan of Brandon Miller. And I think that the summer league sort of solidified that for me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. Very ambivalent on Kai Jones as, like, your athletic big there. Um, and really, it's just, like, outside LaMelo, who do you really have? Um, P.J. Washington is not even signed. Miles Bridges is not even, like, you know, there's all the off-the-court drama there. It's just a bit of a mess in Charlotte, and it always has been. Next, I'm going to say the Raptors, too. I think that they're, they have some young people I like. Obviously, Scotty Barnes is there. I guess if you want to throw Gary Trent Jr. into that young core as well, but maybe even Chris Boucher, but Chris Boucher is like kind of old at this point, I think. Not like super old. He's twenty eight. Yeah, so he's like he's getting close to his thirty. You know, so very hard to lump him into that young core as well. So I, I just don't think they have too much talent because they've always been a sort of middle of the pack team. I guess you want to throw Grady Dick in there, their lottery pick this year. But I don't think he has too high of an upside. I think that, you know, he's going to be a your prototypical 3 and D kind of guy, the, the sharpshooter archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, then the third team, this is a bit tough, but maybe the Wizards. I just don't think that, you know, I think they've missed on a lot of draft picks. Um, like uh, Denny Avdia has just sort of been okay. Um, I forgot who they drafted at number 10 last year. Uh, John, Johnny Davis, he's yep. been a, a bit of a disappointment. And then you know throwing Jordan Poole in the mix is interesting, but ah, who else do you have like
1: Corey Kispert? Like yeah, Kispert K- is just Kuz like... is no longer a young core guy. He's now in his yeah middle of his career.
0: Yeah, so just like uh, too many misses in Washington for me to really to rank them. So, mm-hmm. you would you agree with that list or? Y-
1: y- yeah, I think. For now, I think this might be a little controversial. I'm gonna add the Blazers. Whoa, that's that's crazy. Until they get this game situation figured out, he they have to be down there because look, I'm I'm not denying Scoot is gonna be good, I'm not denying everything, Samus is good, I'm not gonna be denying Shaden Sharp. Them three are incredible, but you have to look at this team as a young core and go, do they have an actual future? If if you just took those three guys and put them to their max potential they have no other young core to work with they just have three guards and let's be realistic you need you need wings you need defensive guys you need you know some some kind of young assets and that'll tra- that'll change once they get this game trade going but for now I think I have to keep them in the bottom because if we're talking about upside of a young core their their main three guys have tons of upside but I don't think as a a unit they create a cohesive young core
0: I mean, you make a compelling case for sure, but I just think that those three guys are so solid that you know, like, I mean, Anthony mm-hmm. Sounds is a borderline all star, right? How many of these other teams can say they have a borderline all star here,
1: right? Actually, I, I think there's a lot of teams on this court. The Pacers, I think you could say the the um, Nets, the Cavs have all stars. The Raptors and Pascal Siakam. The the Sp- you know, Siakam, the okay. See,
0: si- let's well, right, let's not kid ourselves here. Siakam isn't in, isn't in the same camp as a Donovan Mitchell, right? They are not on the young in the young core, right? They're Donovan solidified... Mitchell is absolutely
1: in the young core. He's entering his seventh he... season. Okay, but if you're calling Darius Garland a part of the young core, Donovan Mitchell has to be a part of the young core as well. He's what twenty five still twenty five and under. I consider young core. Okay, fine. Donovan, Donovan.
0: All right. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Donovan, and then Darius Garland is like he 24? was drafted. Yeah, he's twenty three. So yeah, you know. But, okay. So i okay, least we can agree with that. Fair,
1: fair enough. I think. We'd agree if I had to rank these teams as far as like of the worst teams I'd say the hornets are on the high end like on the optimistic side because I think I'm higher on Brandon Miller than you are especially seeing him in love in Summer League I felt like he played a lot better and it was a lot more consistent and solid than people had made him out to be um and look lamella ball is still amazing uh, I think they have more cohesion and a, a more okay you want to talk about encore. you
0: want to talk about depth of the encore who do you have after that
1: um Kai Jones j washington question mark um come on man do you hear yourself right uh, now um miles bridges coming (laughs) back from the from the prison all right we we gotta end up (laughs) all
0: right but this is another great episode thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you on next week take it easy come on